0: You guys ready for the word tonight? I'm glad that you've uh, decided to join us tonight. This, anytime that I get a chance to speak in main service, it is such an honor and a privilege. Uh, my name is Chip and I get to hang out with the youth and young adults every Friday. I see you guys back there. What's up? You guys are allowed to talk to me tonight. I heard on Sunday you didn't talk back to Garrett much, and he felt discouraged. So please shout me down, yell at me, let me know uh, that you love it. And if you don't like what I have to say, my name is Garrett, <laughs> and you can file a complaint with the office. But uh, you guys, thanks for being with me tonight. And uh, as as Pastor Mike asked a handful of us to speak while he was gone. Um, I know as opposed to the way my dad wants me to do things, he always wants me to have things set up, you know, three months in advance. Uh, so if my dad was speaking tonight, he would have been ready at Christmas time. And uh, for me, that's just not how it works. I don't know uh, if you guys know how Pastor Mike prepares for messages, but he's always studying, always listening, always as a student of the word and in, in, in working with God and hearing from God. And uh, there's, there's times that he's told you that he hasn't had anything until 15 minutes before service. Well, I promise you this didn't just come up 15 minutes ago, but uh, sometimes the way that it works with me, and Friday nights is a different animal because when I'm with the youth and young adults, that's, that's what I've been put in charge over. That's what Pastor Mike has trust me with, and so anybody that comes to this pulpit is still a guest. I'm a home kid, but I'm still a guest here, and, uh, and the people that prepare and come, Garrett and then Mark's coming next week. We always want to make sure that we are honoring the position that our pastor is giving us, so uh, as preparing for tonight, I spent a lot of time thinking, and, and really, the only thing uh, the few things that I got was one was the name peter i 'm not having any children, so that will not be what i 'm naming my son, so it 's clearly talking about Peter in the Bible, and then a couple verses uh, that God was showing me and, and as I continued to study about peter uh, this this message kind of came out, and it was uh, it was not. What I had originally scripted, originally planned, it wasn't my first draft, second draft, or third draft, uh, but isn't it really cool uh, how God moves and shapes and bends and works with us to put together the right things? Amen? So uh, tonight, if you would, flip to Matthew 4 is where we're going to start. Uh, If you need a title for this message, it's going to be called Follow Me. I'm not telling you to follow me as Chip, but uh, if you know the interaction that Jesus and Peter had at first, one of the first things that he heard from him was, come and follow me. So that's the premise of tonight's message. We're talking about following Jesus in everything that we do. And so uh, we're going to take kind of a few jumps through the scripture. We'll go through a lot of them, but I promise we will go quick. Uh, These guys are really good at putting stuff up on the screen. So if you can't flip fast enough or just are done with me telling you scriptures, just read the words. Uh, make notes of them, but I want you guys to, to be open to hear tonight. And as we jump through Peter's life and, and see about the times that he walked with Jesus, just be thinking about how that corresponds directly to us today. So, Matthew 4, we'll start in verse 12. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in, Caper- in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the regions of those places. Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And I spoke a little bit about this uh, in youth a few weeks ago. Any time that we we start to move with God, he's not going to put something really huge right in front of you right away. Right? We, we think of guys like Peter and we think back and we look at Moses and we think of all the amazing things that, that they did. Right? Moses led an entire people out of captivity and, and we think that it was just that way from the beginning. But If you go back and read the story, speaking from a burning bush, the first thing he tells Moses to do is take off your shoes. I think if God showed up right here, right now and said, take off your shoes, we'd all be like, cool, I can do that. Right, And when you look at the story of Peter, the first thing that Jesus says isn't some big, giant, monumental thing. He's not asking him uh, to go be a pillar of the church at this moment. He's not asking him to raise people uh, from uh, being hurt or injured or, or anything like that. The first thing that he does and says to Peter is, come and follow me. And I think that's a great parallel for us to look at because a lot of the times we get scared to step out, right? We get scared that a life with God may be something that we're not ready for or we're not prepared for. I love that in in Jesus' interaction with Peter, it was not a job interview, right? He wasn't asking him, how many scriptures do you know? Can you quote the entire Old Testament, right? He He wasn't trying to qualify Peter for all of these things. Aren't you glad that we didn't have to pass a test to be able to follow Jesus Christ? We had one question interview, and that was, will you follow me? And I hope everyone in here at this point, the answer was yes. And if it's not, come talk to me afterwards. We can fix that. We'd love to be a part of that and put some really cool things in your hand about how to follow Jesus. But it's, it's always important to remember that God is not uh, asking you to do a huge monumental thing the first time that you met him. Right. All he said was come and follow me. And and in a lot of us, the way we grew up in churches, we got up from the church uh, chair or the pew, walked down to the front, said a cool prayer, maybe in kids church. For me, it was when we had a, a thing called a power team meeting. It was something in the 80s where these big athletes would walk around and break baseball bats. And anybody's remember these guys? Uh, they were huge, but they would break ice, and they would light ice on fire, and they'd crash through things, and uh, that's how I came to Jesus, right? They, these really big athletes were doing really cool things, and then they would tell you their testimony, and I was like, Jesus, I love you. And so I came to Jesus that night when I was seven or eight years old, and I'm glad that Jesus didn't ask me to break fire bricks that night, right? All he said was, come. I love that Jesus just requires the simplest thing to get you started, Right. And part of our walk with Jesus, part of how you choose to interact with Him every day is choosing to start and choosing to follow him every single day. And we know the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So originally the question of us getting saved or, or will you follow Jesus was supposed to be a, a one time question. But God knows the world that we live in. He knows that there's distractions. He knows that there's things that pull us in all these different directions. So much like if you are uh, going to have a dating class or a marriage class, they will tell you that you have to choose love every single day, right? Love is not an emotion. You have to choose to love every single day, and it's not always easy. And when you think about following Jesus, it's very much the same thing. It's not, I did this one time in my life, and so that just means I've, all, I've already set that course for the rest of my life. Every single day and multiple times each day, you get tempted to not follow Jesus. Am I right, or am I the only one? I'll listen to it back and preach to myself again, but every single day, we're tempted multiple times not to follow Jesus. And I love that he put it nice and simple for us, come and follow me. Uh, and and I think it's important when we look at people and the things they've accomplished that know that it was a process, right? As we go through Peter's life, you'll see that this was a process and every step of the way he was following Jesus and growing along the way. And uh, so after we see him say, come and follow me, these guys are about to see some really cool stuff. They see Jesus turn water into wine. Uh, Peter becomes part of the inner circle of the three that get to go pray in the garden. And there's a bunch of awesome things that Peter got to do, but all along the way, When he chose to follow Jesus, he was learning. He was interacting with Jesus. He was having conversations with Jesus. And the whole time, while you're following, he was learning. If you guys would, flip over to John 6. You guys will recognize this story. It's the feeding of the 5,000. We'll start in verse 10. Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of of the five barley loaves, which they left over by those who had eaten." And this is just another step in the progression. Uh, And you can't tell me that when these fishermen decided to be a disciple of Jesus, right? They were uncovering Jesus as the Christ, as Messiah, and uh, probably imagining really what this awesome life of a disciple would be. And Jesus takes them and says, you're going to be a busboy today. You're going to be a server. And you're going to clean the dishes, Right? I think it's a, it's a great reminder for us that sometimes we set our expectations. We set our expectations of what our life or what our role in the kingdom of God is. And Jesus may have some different things lined up for you. Right? And I think the lesson that we can take really quick out of this is that it's not the job that you are doing in the kingdom that's important, but it's who you're following. It's the Jesus that you're following. It's the fact that you have stepped into whatever role. That God has called you to at this moment. And if you watch Peter's life as we continue, he wasn't always a server or a busboy, right? That he becomes a pillar of the church. And every step along the way, Jesus is shaping him. Jesus is molding him and preparing him for the next things. One of the scriptures that uh, was bouncing around for me with this message, and you guys will know it, but it's he that is faithful in the little things will be faithful in the big things. He that is faithful with little, depending on which translation, right? We We could list out a whole bunch of them, but he that is faithful with little will be faithful with much. And I see each step of this just being another pillar, another step, another step to watch the faithfulness of Peter grow. And I think it's important when we look at that scripture that when you're faithful and little, you'll be faithful in much. One of the important things is to know that God wants to be in the little things, right? It's not just uh, do these little things until you get by, and then you'll be doing the bigger things, and that's what matters to God. No, God wants you, uh, t- you to watch him move in the little things, and he wants to be involved in your little things. It's a step-by-step process together. We're going to flip over to Mark 6. We're going to just kind of go quickly through Peter's life. Mark 6, and we will start in verse 4. And all of these verses that we're reading, you guys recognize, because our pastor uh, uses more word in one sermon than a lot of people do for the entire year. (laughs) You know, I had some friends that were visiting, and they were astonished at how much Scripture our pastor knew and used in every service. And I looked at him like, isn't that how it should be? (laughs) Right? It is. So we're going to read more Scripture. Mark 6, 4, but Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit and teaching. Uh, It's important to note, their unbelief didn't cause Jesus to stop trying, right? He didn't get the results that he was expecting because of their unbelief, but what did he do? He turned around and continued to teach. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Verse seven, and he called the 12 to himself and he began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Verse 10, also he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. And I think it's important we see Jesus is is ministering to people and going out and he's uh, he's not getting results. And so he steps over to the disciples and said, all right, your turn. Right, have you guys ever had somebody not get the results and then want you to do their job for them? Right, everybody that has a job, you've done it for your boss before, I promise. Except for me, I work for Pastor Mike. But I think it's, it's interesting because Jesus was, was trying to tell them a few things. He made it known that it was their unbelief. That's why he couldn't do some works. So and Then when he tells them to go out, he's not leaving them high and dry saying, good luck, guys. I hope it all works out for you. He tells them plain as day, and it's something that we should all keep in mind all the time. He tells them that some people are not going to receive and some people are not going to hear you. Right? There's a choice on the, on the part of the receiver, even in Jesus' ministry. That should be encouraging to us. I know we want to go out and we want to save the entire world and we want to see everybody that's sick and, raise a, and put a hand on them and raise them up. In these cases, Jesus did that and not everybody was healed. Uh-oh. Isn't that trouble? Like, what? Wouldn't that freak you out as a disciple? Jesus couldn't do any mighty works there, so Jesus turns and goes, you're up. That would freak me out. But he, he let them know that look, no matter how they react, no matter how they respond to you, your job is to go. Your job is to go and to do the things you've seen me do, to follow me. You've seen me lay hands on people. You've seen me preach the kingdom of God. That is what you are supposed to do, regardless of if they hear or not. I, I think I could probably go around the room and I won't do it, but I could go around the room and ask. Everyone in here, is there someone in your life that you continually talk about the things of God with, and they just will not hear or receive? If there's not someone in your life that way, find somebody. Right? We have we have work to do, but um, but I love that Jesus didn't just leave them high and dry, and they go out, and so you see um, in verse verse twelve, so they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out demons and anointed, and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. And I made the point already, if you, if you needed to go back and look at that verse, it did not say that all of the demons were cast out. And I think you can see why. And it's because Jesus had warned them ahead of time. Not everybody is going to receive. The ones that don't, just move on. See, people's reactions shouldn't detour or they didn't detour Jesus from doing the things that he needed to do, that he was called to do. It didn't detour him. It didn't stop him. When he may have got discouraged, he continued to teach. He expected the same from his disciples. When, When people wouldn't receive or hear, he told them to continue to move on. And he expects that same thing with us. Uh, I know uh, sometimes we get excited to run out and do something like maybe going to the gym for the first time, and uh, the first time you do it, you pull a muscle, and so it discourages you to never want to go back, not speaking from experience. But you have to try again, right? People's reaction to you, people's reaction to what you're telling them about Jesus, if we know that the word of God is true and that Jesus uh, is real and the things that he did are true and are real, when we're telling people about that, not everybody is going to Hear and receive them. That's why the Bible says, he who that has ears to hear, let him hear. Because it's a choice. Verse 30. This is when they return. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. So after they return from doing what they have seen Jesus do day in and day out, uh, they come back to Jesus and they start telling him, I can imagine that they're super excited. uh, If you guys have ever been on a missions trip or if you've ever been anywhere else where you've got to lay hands on somebody and seen instant results happen right there, you come back super excited uh, and really uh, on fire for the things of God. And and so often or so it's so easy uh, to start focusing on those things. Right, So Jesus, when they come back, they're, Jesus, look what we did. Look, this is what we did. This is what we preached. And Jesus is like, hold up. Let's go relax. Let's go. Let's, let's go out into a desert place, and we'll hang out. I'll get to hear about it, and we'll talk about it. And I think one of the reasons that, uh, that Jesus always took time on his own to go get with God, he always encouraged people to go take time and pray. Even when the, the guys fell asleep in the garden, they were supposed to be praying Right? He encouraged them to pray, and it's, it's so that they could take time and refocus. Because so many times when we, uh, when we believe or we're standing in faith for things, we start to uh, chase that answer more than the one who brings that answer to us. Uh, and so I made a note that said, they told Jesus what they had done. And he says, come, rest. And, and to me, it just speaks volumes of him wanting them to reset to come, to follow me. And and I think that's a biblical principle because we see in another place that uh, that when we're speaking about them returning, he says, rejoice not that the the devils and sickness are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Right? The focus isn't on the results that you're getting. The focus is on the one who brings those results. The focus is on God, the one who gave you those abilities, who works with you for those abilities. And I think sometimes when we're standing in faith for things, when we're believing and praying for things. I know uh, uh, we do this with, with, uh, with healing sometimes, with believing for finances. We get in these situations where we're standing firm and then those things start to manifest. Right? We start to get better. If we, uh, One time I broke my foot and we stood in agreement for it and it started to get better. And so I started chasing the result versus giving glory to God, the one who had given me the answer. And I think we do this with money sometimes, right? We, we are believing for a, a need to be met. And so as we start seeing things line up for maybe a bill to be paid or pe- maybe somebody calls you and says, hey, I want to do this for you. Then we start chasing them instead of Jesus, right? We get our focus in the wrong place. And if you guys notice where this lands us in your Bible, it's right back at the feeding of the 5,000. So I I wanted to to look at them in this order because we have these guys that have just gone out and done these amazing works that Jesus told them to go do. They were following the example of Jesus. They went and healed people. They cast demons out. And then it puts us back at the 5,000. They go out to rest. And Jesus says, Hey, I need you to be my servers and busboys tonight, right? And, and I think it's so easy for us uh, when we start seeing God move in our lives to start, start getting puffed up, right? When we start seeing things manifest in our lives and we start putting an importance on us, we start to get puffed up. And in this moment, Jesus goes, all right, now it's time to serve. Now, I think if we took this same thing in Orange County, if, if, if we go on a missions trip or if we go down to the spectrum and we lay hands on somebody and they get up out of a wheelchair, uh, I think most of our attitudes just being Orange County people, we would be hard pressed to then want to turn around and serve in the kitchen the next Sunday. I know you're not saying amen because you know I'm right. But I think it's an attitude that Jesus shows. and It reminds me of when Jesus decides to wash the feet of the disciples. And in both instances, it's Jesus showing and preparing them to lead by example. Right? We see, we see that being faithful in little is how you become faithful in much. And when we, we watch uh, Jesus leading by example and washing the feet of his disciples, uh, it's something that just reminds us that you are never too big, right? You are never too big to do what God has you to do at the moment, right? I think sometimes we get this idea that God's going to call me to be a pastor, and that's the only thing I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. When I took the job as youth pastor, uh, I didn't, I don't know if that's what my path is going to be my entire life. I don't know if you can be 85 and be a youth pastor. We'll see. But what I didn't intend was to be a youth pastor and have some kids receive Jesus at our first summer camp and then just several months before be cleaning up throw-up at a winter camp. Do Do you see what I'm talking about? It's an attitude that Jesus is preparing these guys for. Look, we went out and did these really amazing things. Okay, cool, let's reset, let's refocus. Go serve these people. Not always the attitude that we want to be reminded to have, when we're starting to get excited about the big things that God has us doing. And, and I, when I think about the verse, faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much, what I know that does not mean is that when you start to be given more and more to be faithful with, that you can slack in the little things. Right? The, the little things are always going to be there to be faithful in. You're always going to have to be faithful in the little things so you can continue to build and build and build. And those little things don't go away. If you're faithful in tithing, that's not something that goes away when you get a bigger chunk of money. If you're faithful, uh, and I looked at it like this when I was thinking about how they build houses. They, They take all these little tiny particles of dirt, smash them down flat, and that allows them to build big. Right? What a metaphor for our lives in Christ. So when we start with these little things, when we're faithful in these little things, like lining up all the dirt the right way, that allows the foundation to be poured on top of us. That allows us to build the walls of the house. That allows people to eventually move into these houses, but it all starts by having the little things set in order. And when those little things get out of order, it can shake the whole house. Right? So it's a matter of, of being able to stay faithful in whatever God has called you to do. That's why Jesus could raise people from the dead and then uh, a few pages later turn around and wash the feet of his disciples. Because it didn't matter what God was going to have him do. He was going to be faithful. And that's what we can see in the lives of these guys when they go out and raise people up, when they cast out demons and then they come and they serve and they pick up the crumbs of bread that the people left on the ground. It's not about what God has called you to do it's, it's not about what God, uh, what you think God has called you to do. It's about what he's having you do now, right? We can always make plans for the future, but if you're not stepping in the will of God for your life now, you're never going to get there. You have to start by doing the little things. And I love how uh, in the feeding of the 5,000, with the fish and the crumbs and, and just the smallest things that, uh, there was a movie when I was, younger called Karate Kid. Has anybody seen it? If you know this movie, you know that Jesus was the original Mr. Miyagi. So in this movie, the karate instructor has this, uh, this young man doing things that don't look like they have anything to do with karate, but all the while he's training and learning. He has him waxing a car, wax on, wax off, and then when he gets in a fight, he's blocking. I know I've just embarrassed myself for anybody that's in martial arts <laughs> right now, and I apologize, but when Jesus has you, when God has you doing these little things, it's to prepare you for something bigger, right? It's, the, it's Jesus being Mr. Miyagi to these guys when he's reminding them to serve, because later on in their ministries, when they become pillars of the church, a huge part of being a leader that we see Jesus doing is serving others. Jesus was teaching them how to follow him from miracles to busboys. These were all things they would need to be fishers of men. Then right after the 5,000, you guys are familiar with this story. I won't make you go there. I'll read it to you real quick. Uh, This is when Jesus comes walking on the water. Probably the most popular Peter story. Probably the one that we could reenact every time that we go to our friend's house and try to step onto a pool and fall all the way to the bottom. Uh, It would be really rad to freak people out and just go running across the waves at the beach, right? Wouldn't that? That would be really fun. Uh, But it's in Matthew 14. It says this in verse 25, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went with them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter liked to follow Jesus, do you think? So he said, Come. And and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. They were scared. Jesus, uh, Jesus is like, don't worry, it's me. Peter's like, if it's you, tell me. Jesus says, come, which is the word that uh, that Peter was used to hearing, he was making that choice every day. So, just another choice in the life of Peter to come and to follow Jesus. And so he steps out, and uh, and I I would think that Peter knew that without Jesus, he couldn't walk on the water. Don't you? He'd never tried it before. Later in his life, he's going to jump off a boat and not be able to walk on water. Uh, so I think what, what Peter understands and when, he, when he's saying, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come, he knows that walking on the water is only possible with Jesus. So Peter knew Jesus is what made it possible. If I follow Jesus, I can do it. Uh, on my own, I can't. I think that's a good mantra to have in our hearts all the time. When I'm following Jesus, I can do it. On my own, I can't. And when Peter lost his focus, we know what happened. He started, uh, he stopped following Jesus and he began to sink. And uh, if you would flip to Luke 22, we're going to look at maybe uh, the saddest moment, uh, one of the saddest moments in Peter's life. And uh, I want to look at the the walking on the water Uh, and you take great things out of walking on the water and you take some negative things. Oh, how could Peter doubt? Well, he was Walking on the water, like that could be very easily to lose focus. Uh, And then this is the story of when Peter denies Jesus. It's in Luke 22, starting in verse 54. Having arrested him, they're talking about Jesus. They laid him and brought him into the high priest's house, but Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, This man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are one of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And after about an hour had passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, How he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. And and I I don't know what translation I'm reading. I apologize. I must have hit the button on my computer. Um, But what I think it's interesting to look at is uh, if Peter, if it took the rooster crowing and it took Jesus looking at Peter for him to remember what Jesus had said, it shows us that in the moments that he was being pressed, in the moments that he was being questioned and accused, it shows us in those moments what his focus was not was on Jesus. He lost his focus on Jesus, and we see that's why he started to sink. And in those moments uh, when he wasn't actively keeping Jesus as his focus, that's when he came and denied him. And I know we can look at this story uh, from our nice, comfortable chairs 2,000 years later and think, how could Peter have, how could Peter have done that? How could Peter have, de- have denied Jesus? Uh, and, I, and I would submit to you that, that on a daily basis or maybe throughout our lives, we lose focus a lot more than just the couple times we have of Peter being on record. Uh, I'm glad that I wasn't alive and recorded in the Bible. I think a lot of you would agree with me as well because we have a guy that made a couple mistakes and they both got recorded for us to learn from. I think that should also serve to us that we don't have to make the same mistakes all the guys in the Bible made, right? We should be able to learn quite a bit from these guys. Uh, but I think we criticize them a lot for denying Jesus. But how many times do we forget the word of God in our situation? And then when the situation takes a turn for the worse, we go running for God. It's the same thing. It's the same thing that Peter, that Peter did in this denying Jesus. Sometimes we, don't, uh, sometimes we don't remember the word or sometimes we just choose not to focus on the word because we don't like how it fits into our situation, Right? I think that's, that's kind of a, a thing that happens sometimes in our walks. If, if something is early on in our walk is asking us to compromise, we have to stop and make that decision to follow Jesus. Right? Peter had to make that decision to follow Jesus. And we see here two of the times that he kind of lapsed on those things. Can I point out something to you uh, in both of Peter's failure stories? I know that's not how your Bible talks about these two stories as Peter's failures. Uh, But in both these cases, in both of these stories, by all physical appearances, Peter was still following after Jesus. I think that's something to think about because on the water he was headed towards Jesus, physically walking towards Jesus, and he lost his focus. In in the scene of the denial, he's following after Jesus, trying to to stay close enough to see what's going on, but his attitude and his focus is not Jesus. It's more of self-preservation at this point. Where all the other times we've been walking with Jesus, all of that was kind of thrown out the window. If he was worried about self-preservation, he wouldn't have got off the boat onto the water to walk in the middle of a storm. Right? So we see in these two moments that by all physical means, it looks like Peter is following Jesus. And I think that if that's not an example for us to be careful about today, I don't know what else is. So many of us, uh, not, not just of us, but people in general act like they have it together. They, uh, they get ready for church on Sunday morning. I live a minute and a half away, and there's mornings that I get in there, and my kids are not listening to me, and I'm trying my best to speak the truth in love. And then it becomes yelling the truth in love, and then screaming the truth in love. But as soon as I hit this parking lot and I, I open my car door, I have a big smile on my face and I'm hugging my kids. and you know, I love my kids. There's no question about that. But so many times we put on uh, this appearance to other people. And I'm not sure why we always do it. Uh, but sometimes we put on this appearance to other people to make them think we are following Jesus. We're doing what, what, what Peter was doing in these two instances. We were, we're putting on the appearance that we're following Jesus when everything else on the inside is worried about what job we have, what, how much money we're going to make, how we're going to make this bill. And we're not focusing on Jesus, but we're trying to make people think that we're still following after him. I think that's it. just shows a manner of what following Jesus really is. Right? Our, our physical life should line up with our spiritual life. But when the Bible talks about tithing, it says it's not about the amount. We know tithe is tenth, but it's not about the amount over and above that. It's about a matter of the heart. Right When, when the, uh, the Jewish leaders were criticized because they would go and they would pray and do repetitive things and pray really long so people could hear them, they were doing it so they could make something of themselves. And it wasn't uh, prayer is not a matter of how many words you can speak. It's a matter of the heart, following Jesus, tithing, praying, they're all matters of the heart. It's not the appearance, they're matters of the heart. Uh, I'm so glad that this is not where the Bible cut off and left us in Peter's life, right? I'm glad that uh, in the middle of his shortcomings, of his of his missteps, of his failures, uh, that Jesus decided that this wasn't where the Bible was going to cut off, and I'm so glad that he didn't leave us there either, right? We're in the middle of our failures and our missteps. Jesus said there was more. So flip to John 21. We know that Jesus rises again, and he brought, he brought us back to life with him, and that's always something that's good to remember. Amen. I was reading uh, this story in John, and I, I think it's funny, and I like to kind of put personalities to these guys, but uh, John talks about himself being the one that Jesus loved, and I think it's funny that after Jesus is risen, both both uh, the one who Jesus loved and Peter take off running to the, to the tomb, and I can't figure out why, I'm still going to study it out, but John makes the point to let you know that he beat Peter there, <laughs> right? I, I, I don't know what it is, maybe it's so later they could see which one was the greatest, but I don't know what scared him, because he got the door and stopped, and then Peter came in first, but uh, that's just something that popped up when I was reading it, and we're going to start reading John 21 uh, in verse 15. And this is a super awesome moment between a risen Jesus and the guy who had just failed them. Verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to them, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. I think it's interesting that the last thing that that John records uh, Jesus saying to Peter is is the very first place that we found Peter. And what it reminds me of is when he says, follow me at the end is the same thing that he said at the beginning. This is the simple phrase that as Peter walked with him and as Peter actively followed Jesus, it's an active thing, not just a sit back and watch the show thing. But as he actively followed Jesus, he grew and grew and grew into the man that would be one of the pillars of the early church. He grew into a man that would go on uh, to preach the gospel to a ton of people. He had already gone out and preached and and healed people. He turned into a guy that would uh, continue to preach and forward the kingdom of God. He turned into a guy that would explain speaking in tongues to a huge crowd. Come on, Pentecostals, that's not an easy thing to do. To a lot of people, right? A man that would raise people up and heal them, just as he saw Jesus do. And, and Paul describes Peter as being an effective uh, to the apostleship of the circumcision, about how Peter was successful in furthering uh, the kingdom of Christ. You guys, Peter became a pillar of the early church by simply following Jesus. A fisherman changed history, and, and I think it's important to remember that in every situation that Peter was in. Uh, whether it was uh, falling asleep at the garden. Peter was part of some cool stuff. He was part of watching the transfiguration happen, and he got to see some really cool things. And and no matter what the situation was, big, small, important or not, the the rule for him was the same. The goal for him was the same, and that was to follow Jesus. I wonder if Peter knew that keeping his focus on Jesus would bring him into a life that was full of purpose. Uh, Did he know that where follow me when Jesus said, follow me, did he know where that was going to take him? I think of some of these guys and some of these conversations that they had with Jesus. And, uh, and I look at things today and a lot of people that I know today and uh, so many times that we are people that just seem to be going through the motions, right? Have any of you ever felt like we're just here again I'm just working this job again to pay daycare again to get my kid Chuck E. Cheese tokens again. Like we just seem like we're going through these motions every single day. And uh, you may have stumbled into a job five, ten, twenty years ago, and you're still there. That's not a bad thing. But uh, but but I think a lot of the times we start to complain or compare our lives uh, to other people, right? And and I think about to the disciples and uh, and these guys. What would their lives have looked like if Jesus had never stopped and said, follow me? I was watching uh, a movie the other day. And the whole premise of the movie was it was a, a gentleman that was about 50 years old. They called him middle aged several times in the movie. So if you are near 50 and middle age offends you, I'm sorry. But in this movie, it was a guy that had had a bunch of really close friends in college. And as they all grew up... Uh, he started his own nonprofit organization, got married to a great woman that, had, uh, that has a job. They have a, great, uh, a kid who's well-behaved and who's smart and who's applying to colleges. But every time that he sits down or every time that he's thinking about these four other guys that were his buddies, he sees what they're doing, and he's comparing his life. Right. He's he's asking himself questions. What am I doing every day? Why? What is the purpose of what I'm doing? And uh, he's going through all these things. And one of his buddies is a is a big uh, money trader on Wall Street and has his own jet and goes on these really cool uh, Instagram worthy vacations. Right. Another guy is retired at 40 years old uh, and lives in Hawaii Uh, And then another guy is a guy that's on TV as a political advisor. And that's, you know, that's what he wanted to be as they went. But he's always comparing his life to something else. And he's got so run down in his everyday that he feels like there's no purpose. And there was there was one point in the movie where I thought it was going to take a turn for the better. And he looks over at his son and he said and he was reminded this is why we've been doing all this. Right? This is why. Because my kids. And that's not the reason you should do your entire life. Your entire life should be Jesus. Kids are a nice benefactor of that. right? But throughout this whole movie, he's comparing his life. And I think we do it a lot of the times, too. And I have to wonder if the disciples ever felt like that. If, if the day before uh, Peter uh, was encountered by Jesus on that beach and Jesus said, come and follow me, what was Peter's life like? What were the other disciples' life like? Were they just going through the motions every day? Was there was there something that they had sought or had in their heart that they really wanted to do and it didn't work out, so they were just stuck in this rut? Has anybody ever else felt like they're just kind of going through the motions? There's a lot of hands that did not go up, so I'll assume I'm preaching to myself and Garrett. <laughs> a lot of the times we feel like our lives are ordinary. Right. I don't know what the disciples were going through before, but a lot of times we feel like our lives are ordinary, like they're mundane or they're boring. Uh, Then you may just be a fisherman. And I and I hope this story of Peter completely encourages you because it's an example that uh, that speaks volumes that it's not about what you're doing for a career. But it's about who you are following for eternity. Right. I think there's there's a big importance and a lesson to learn in Hebrews 12, 12. I'm almost done. I'll wrap up here. Hebrews 12, 12. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You guys, we have a race to run. We have a job to do. We have a life to live. And then whatever you are doing or whatever you're going to do in the future, your job is to do that. With your eyes fixed on Jesus, right These guys were fishermen, and when Jesus got put into their lives when they decided to follow Jesus, it added a whole bunch of stuff to their lives more than just being uh, a normal fisherman could be at the end of this movie there was there was one really good part of this movie that I watched um, and it's it's the the man and his son in a hotel room after visiting a college and the, the father had just had dinner with one of his old friends who kind of told him the truth about all these friends that he had been wanting their lives for, right? The one who was retired at 40 was a drunk and a drug addict, right? The one who was on Wall Street as a successful trader was, was about to be indicted for illegal trading, right? And he goes through these things of these illusions that so many times we shoot off to other people, we want what other people have, but you don't even know what they really have. Right, and, he, and in that moment, he's starting to explain to his son, and his, his son is the one that gets it and says, Dad, you should only really care about one person's opinion of, you, opinion of you. And the dad says, Who? He said, Me. And he said, Well, I think as a dad, that's a scary question sometimes. What do you think of me? You know, if my kids are seven and four. I don't know what they're going to say sometimes. But he asked, What do you think of me? And the son simply responded, I love you. I think that's such a, uh, and that's where the movie ends. So in case you're wondering what else happened in the movie, that was it. The movie was over. The movie was done. Uh, Thank you, Amazon Originals, right? That's kind of what happens in these movies. But in your day-to-day, from from server to designer, if you own your own business or if you're retired, there's only one person's opinion that you should be seeking, and that's Jesus. And, And know without a shadow of a doubt that when you are in the kingdom of God, when you are a child of God, that his opinion of you is, I love you. We can work from there, but it's, I love you. We can work on things from there, but if you know that Jesus loves you and we know that, uh, that Jesus asked Peter to follow him, Jesus asked us to follow him, and it's because he loves us, right? I, I, I think so many times we're trying to figure out how far God's going to take us, how big the things of God are going to be in our lives, and and Jesus is simply saying, follow me. Right? Peter didn't know where this was going to take him. We spend most of our time trying to figure out where God's going to take us instead of letting him take us step by step by step. Right? Instead of being willing to feed feed the 5,000 with fish and with bread and be willing to go when Jesus says go and be willing to come take a break when Jesus says come take a break, we spend so much time trying to figure it out on our own, that we never stop to actually follow Jesus. In Mark 1:17, it's when Jesus meets them, and it says, Then Jesus said to them, Follow me and, I'll me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Jesus took what they were doing and added life to it. He's done the same for us. He showed them a purpose, a hope, and a future. Sounds like a familiar scripture. He's done that for us as well. A life where you focus on Jesus and where nothing else, nobody else's opinion matters. Can I suggest something to you? When Jesus is the only opinion that matters, the people that are following Jesus are going to think of you the same way that Jesus does. That should help you surround yourself with the right people. Follow him and he will make you. I love the way that that scripture is worded. Follow me and I will make you. And I just left it blank. He made them fishers of men because they were fishermen. In my notes, I put, he will make you whatever you need to be. Right. If if our job is to follow him, he's going to make us blank. Not nothing, but he's going to make us whatever we need to be. Whether it's a busboy and a server for the fish fest. If it's a, a person with a strong right hand to lift up crippled people. Whatever it is, he's going to make us that step by step by step. To one day, now Peter is one of the pillars of the church in speaking and bringing thousands to know Christ. All step by step. I will make you. Uh, I know a lot of the times when we're up here, we like to look at the Greek and the Hebrew and all these other meanings. And when Jesus said, come and follow me, this is what it meant. Come and follow me. There's nothing hidden or tricky about it. Right? We're just simply supposed to go and follow Jesus. But what I love about it is when he says, I will make you fishers of men. What he's talking about there is... uh, I will produce in you. I will make you ready. I will prepare you. I'll provide whatever is needed for you to be successful of what I called you to do. I will make you whatever it is, Jesus has got it. If you're called to be a computer engineer, Jesus has got it. If you're called to be a teacher, Jesus has got whatever this blank is needed. And when you follow him, he takes you step by step, preparing you just like it says. He will produce in you. He will make you ready. He will prepare you, provide you what is needed to do what is expected. Your job is to come and follow him. The last question I'll leave with you is, What is, what does Jesus expect of us? And it starts in the same place where, where Peter's journey did, and that's to follow, to follow him. That's what Jesus asked of us. That's one of the, the decisions you made early on in your Christian life. That's what made you a Christian is when you decided to follow Jesus. And it's a decision that I hope we make every single day as we choose to step more and more into the things of God, as we continue to grow in those things to where it comes from just simply following him. And we know that, uh, that Peter walks side by side watching Jesus do several amazing things to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to preach the gospel. Those are all things that, that we're supposed to follow of Jesus' example. Some of them seem scary. How am I going to raise somebody from the dead? Follow Jesus. In the moment when you're a Jesus follower, if there's a moment where you need to raise somebody from the dead, Jesus said, I will make you that blank, right? I will make you one that raises the dead, right? Whatever you need in that situation, Jesus is the one that fills that in when you follow him. Your job is to follow him, and his job is to make you whatever is needed in that moment. There's one thing in John 6 I'll show you. John 6, verse 28 and 29. If we're supposed to do the works of Jesus, this is a good one to look at. It's a, it's a question uh, that, that Jesus is asked. John six twenty-eight. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And in verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. Guys, Jesus is saying, you follow me and I'll prepare you. You follow me, and I'll do and give you what's needed to do. He's already paid it all for us. So it's just a matter of us following him and stepping into those moments that he needs, to, needs us to move out in faith. I'll prepare you for what is, what's next. Don't focus on the works. We talked about that, right? It's not about you. It's not about what you accomplish. It's about the one who does those works in and through you. Your job is to follow Jesus, and we can see from Peter's example in doing so, that means you'll be in a relationship with him. You'll speak with him every day. You'll ask him questions. Most importantly, you'll listen. You'll read and you'll know his word. That's how we have a relationship where we follow Jesus. These guys all started out by simply following, and they became huge uh, pillars of faith uh, that we look at today. Your everyday job and whatever that you do, when you include Jesus and bring Jesus with you, that job, your life and your job should be transformed. There's nothing mundane about your job or your life when you bring the author of life with you everywhere that you go. You are no ordinary fisherman. If you're searching for purpose, if you, if you are one of the people that seems like we're going through the motions, you may be young and be confused about where you're going to school. You may be uh, on the twilight of your working career and headed into retirement. And a lot of the times as you switch careers, sometimes your purpose gets questioned. You start to lose focus and purpose. You see it a lot with athletes that once they're done playing a sport, they become so identified as this person, uh, the football player, or this person, the raiders, or, you know, this, this person, they become so identified with that that they lose their purpose. And if you're one of the people that's searching for purpose or just needs a reminder of where your purpose comes from, you guys know this verse. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. When, when it's talking about all these things, he's talking about love and joy and peace. All these things, if you're searching for a purpose, seek God and include him in your life, and that is purpose. Your job of sitting in front of a computer, entering numbers, or answering phones all day has purpose when you do it for the glory of God. And and that seek first the kingdom of God sounds a lot like Jesus saying, come and follow me. Set your focus on me, and I will make you, I'll prepare for you, I'll equip you, I'll provide you whatever is needed for you to run your race. If God has put big things on your heart, it starts with simply following him. Don't ever underestimate the start. The answer to your situation in your life, no matter how big, no matter how small the situation, is simply follow Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you that you have put men in your word and preserved that for us. To be able to read after men like Peter, who started a life as a fisherman and then had an encounter with Jesus. And he added purpose to everything else that he would do for the rest of his life. Help us to be people that make that choice to follow you, Jesus, every single day. From the moment we wake up and our feet hit the floor, that we are ready to run and forward your kingdom in this place. That we are ones that will do whatever we are currently in, whatever situation we are in, whatever job we are currently in, that we will be ones that do that job for your glory, and we do that following you. Everything that we do, we choose to do following you, that you may be glorified in us, Father. Thank you that you continue to strengthen your family. That we'd be people that are willing to step out and to change and to proclaim your name and follow your example. That we'd be ones that would be willing to lay hands on the sick. That we'd be ones that would be willing to simply follow you and let you add to us for whatever situation that we need. To trust you that you show up with us confirming your word no matter where we go. We love you so much, God. We thank you for sending your son and for setting forth examples in your word that we can learn from and we can grow from. We can stand strong on your word that never changes. We love you so much, Father God. We thank you for this night. Be with us as we go. Continue to refresh our pastor. Uh, We are looking forward to their return. Thank you for Keith Hershey as he comes in. Thank you that uh, even when our pastor is away, you are the God of this church. That the words that are spoken here glorify you, that the things that are done here glorify you, that you continue to strengthen and watch over us. We love you, Father. We give you this night. We're so grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, thanks for being with us tonight. Don't forget, Keith Hershey is here on Sunday, both in the morning and at night. We love you. Have a great night. We'll see you back here Sunday. Bye, guys.